You have located Geekfest Rants, the entertainment podcast for genre geeks like you. Shall we play a game? Covering the world of vintage and current film and television since 2010. Game over, man. Game over. Featuring in-depth conversations on sci-fi, horror, fantasy, comics, toys, and conventions. So say we all. So say we all. And now sit back, relax, and enjoy today's show. I have never met a Mandalorian. I've only read the stories. Your name will be legendary. The Mandalorian, original series streaming November 12th on Disney+. everybody and welcome once again to Geek Fest Rants. My name is Carlos Perone and today I have Steve folks joining me. We are going to finally hit the first four episodes of The Mandalorian. Uh, we've been kind of drooling over this for a while with all those trailers that were out and now we're starting to actually watch it. And what we decided to do was to break it into two halves. We're going to now review the first half, go over as many Easter eggs as possible as we could find in the show. It is just incredible what a great show this has been so far. So without any further delays, let's get started with The Mandalorian. Television is an amusement park. Television is a circus, a carnival, a traveling troupe of acrobats, storytellers, dancers, singers, jugglers, sideshow freaks, lion tamers, and football players. We're in the boredom killing business. All right, let's begin with The Mandalorian today. And basically, we're going to go episode by episode. This has been something that. We've been looking forward to a lot. The trailers that we've seen seem to promise so much. And, you know, I, I hate to say it because I don't want to jinx anything, but man, has this thing been delivering on what it's been promising to give us. What do you think? <laughs> oh, definitely. And, and and to put it in perspective, this show had a lot to live up to, especially current sentiment in the Star Wars fandom. And, you know... For me personally, like I, I've been, I've been lukewarm to put it nicely with the sequel trilogy, but this is, this is pretty much what I would have expected and wanted <laughs> for a, quite a while now. It's funny because you know I'm old enough to remember the Ewok movies and the droids animated show and all that stuff. Those those early attempts at trying to bring Star Wars to television and. Granted, back then, you know, it was like, oh, my God, I can't believe they're doing this. But then you're like, wow, this is pretty bad. Even back then, you're like, yeah, well, this is kind of bad. Not, not holiday special bad, but pretty bad. <laughs> and, 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 and when you look at it now, it's even worse because it, all that stuff has aged so badly that, you know, I, I got to the point where it was like, no, you can't, you know, Star Wars is too big to, for television. You cannot, you cannot recreate that world. 
And again, when we were looking at these trailers, we were like, wow, this is looking a lot like Rogue One. It, it has that gritty Rogue One look. You know, what, what, and, and the thing about Rogue One was like, it was a lot like Tatooine. It had the, 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 the Jawa, uh, gritty, sandy, dirty kind of look. And man, <laughs> that is exactly what we're getting. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I, I'm not entirely sure, but I do remember at one point, when they were going movie crazy, when they were promising, oh, we're going to do a Yoda movie, we're going to do a Boba Fett movie, we're going to do an Obi-Wan movie, we're going to do, you know, we were going to do just about everything in movie mode until they realized that they were overloading, over overcrowding the marketplace with this stuff in movie form, that they had to scale it back. And, and I'm wondering if, if some of the stuff that we're seeing now could have been what they kind of had in mind for these movies, you know, could I know John Favreau is the showrunner? Is it possible that he might have been also the showrunner they were looking at to run with the with the Mandalorian movie? You know, is, is that a possibility? What do you think? Oh uh, yeah, no, I definitely think so because in fact, for the Obi Wan series, we heard from uh, Hugh McGregor that and Kathleen Kennedy that yeah, it was planned to be it was planned to be a movie at one point, but they oh, uh, yeah. they decided after Solo they said okay, let's. Let's kind of you know rescale back and let's try to yeah. finagle yeah. the script into a TV series. So so yeah, I think the same thing for Mandalorian. It, it probably was pitched as a movie, and they said okay, you know what, let's scale it, make it more you know serialized, and dish it out on Disney Plus. Which you know I think that that, that decision is twofold because yeah. it, help, it helps Disney Plus because it gives them some exclusive content. It's and, the flagship show. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's... and it and it gives it that time that the show needs to breathe and not be. In the current Star Wars movies, where I felt Solo kind of felt fell short, it felt like it was, it was about something, but it it, it didn't have enough you know meat there to kind of you know mm. dig into. With with with, with this, the, the longer format, you know, I think plays into the what the show is actually about. I think it really helps out. It's a good point you make because the more I think about Solo now, the more I think that this Solo could have been a more successful thing yeah. if it was a series. If they yeah, if you would have taken so you would have taken certain scenes or sequences from the movie, you know, early this, early that, how he meets Chewie, how he progresses to the first deal. Each uh, episode and yeah. it, it could have been split and yeah, that that could have worked a lot better because Solo does have a I don't know. I don't want to say it's a lower tier look, but it looks different. It didn't it had a cinematic look, but it didn't have quite the Rogue One look. You know what I mean? It it looked a little off, just a little. Yeah, I think it's so based on like planet. It was it, it, it was it wasn't so much sci-fi as it was more. Like, I think it leaned so much into the Western sort of vibe. It just, it just, yeah. It just seemed, it just seemed like I, I don't know. You're right though. It did have a sort of a different vibe too. I mean, I I liked it a lot. I think it's still a fun movie, but it just, it just. Like you said, I think it could have been a lot more if it was given that time. Like you know, Mandalorian. You know what is. it is with the movies? We're, we're also more used to seeing these lush, beautiful locations. With Solo, yeah. everything was a little more darker and gloomier and, and dirty. That mud planet, you know, it just didn't feel epic, you know? Yeah. Granted, I still love the film. I, I have... Compared to The Last Jedi, you know, you know where oh, I stand with that. Yeah. But with Mandalorian, now we've seen about half so far of, of the entire series because it's I think it's a total of about eight episodes. So we're about halfway there. So let's start with chapter one. That's another thing. The episodes are, are titled chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. Chapter one doesn't really have a subtitle, I believe. It's just chapter one. 
It's just chapter one, yeah. And and here's where we start to meet the main characters. A lot of this information, you know, a lot of these visuals, we kind of saw a little bit during the uh, the leaked footage and the official trailers and the official teasers and all that stuff. So we 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 recognize some of this imagery, but. The basic run of the story is he's a bounty hunter. We watch him go through his first bounty, which brings him to this kind of a slightly snowy planet. That's another thing. We're not always told where we are. There are yeah, no... Yeah, which is, which is what I like. Yeah. yeah, there are no visual cues. Now, if you go online, you, they'll tell you exactly what planet it is, and, and, and you'll find out officially where they were, which doesn't really matter much until we get to a later episode. But... He's at this planet and he's he's looking for somebody. And off the bat, this feels so westerny. It is dripping in west. The music <laughs> from the oh. from the first scene when he walks into the cantina is straight out of a west. It's I mean, the doors open shot. and he's and he's standing yeah. there. You know, and the I mean, and the guy there's a like there's place. a guy that looks turns his head. It's a close up. Yeah. It's I've seen these movies. I've I own these movies. They're all with Clean Eastwood. I have them all on DVD. It is it is perfectly uh you know homage to 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 all these spaghetti westerns that i've grown up with all this time the music man you have the the music is weird because it 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 has that but it has some weird instruments too on the side and you get a little bit of that wheel uh, like that rattling kind of sounds yeah, it's it's very tribal yeah. with Western kind of a mix to it. It's it's, it's very unique. I mean, it, it's it's nowhere near anything like John Williams' scores, no. which are more epic and sweeping. But it is more lived and gritty. It, it fits the vibe very very well. I have a feeling they are purposely because this is a world that's set. I think they were saying five years after Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. and they're in areas where the rebellion or the Republic at this point. Um, still does not have control it's still the wilderness out there people are there there is no law the law is whoever happens to be around and sometimes there are imperials around and sometimes they're not yep. and we have yet to meet really any rebellion that's in charge of anything at this point in the story so it's the underworld uh, they, they even mentioned it at one point it's it's a lawless uh, environment that they're dealing with and as he goes into this town to retrieve a bounty he gets into the shootout which again we saw it he there's one <laughs> scene where he, he gets the, the guy's trying to make a run for it uh, one of the bad guys and he closes he shoots the door and closes it and it snaps him in half you don't see it but you kind of kind of see that this guy gets cut in half. He's like a, a squid head looking guy. Yeah, I think I think corn. I think the corn maces. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, and, but 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 yeah, yeah. That, that, that's I mean, if anyone had any doubts to rather this is going to be like a, a kitty type show on Disney, a, a stereotypical Disney show, that scene should really set the tone of what yeah. we're what we're in for, really. And we also learn early on that the outfit he wears is a Mandalorian outfit, but there seems to be a, some kind of a different quality to it. For example, his helmet is kind of silver, chrome, chromish, kind of dirty mm. chrome, and one of his shoulder pauldrons is chrome. And when he gets shot, some of that armor that he wears is able to deflect the bolt, or at least he doesn't die. It's like, a, it, it is armor. It's anti-blaster armor. And I have a feeling that the more silver it gets, the more stronger it is. Yeah, I think the best car is the um, armor yeah. that, and, and what, what I'm confused about though is, I mean, it, when we fir- that first episode where the the armor is sort of like red, it's not it's, it's like red and brownish, yeah, it's not really yeah. it's, it's not it's later on we see him upgrade it with the best car. So I'm I don't know if the armor he has is like uh is is that still best car or is that still like is there like a lesser 
version because he, I mean, he's clearly upgrading it throughout the show. Yes. So he's he's clearly adding on new pieces. He does mention at some point that his armor is starting to fail. So I don't know. Like you said, does Beskar start out silver and then as it tarnishes, it turns into these other colors? And that's mm. I'm not sure. But here's another weird thing that after he has his uh, his his bounty and he's he's going back to the ship, the guy that's. Uh, ordering his ride is is this it's it's one of these snitch creatures from star wars the one with, oh, the, yeah. with the snout and he's using like a flute to call the the sh- it's like oh that's interesting the speeder, it's a yeah, sound thing too. that's very interesting now the guy that picks them up i don't know if you recognize him the guy that's actually driving with the hood on his head with the cold weather hood he is an actor named brian posen he used to be in a show called mr show a comedy show, but most recently you probably might remember him from Big Bang Theory. He's this big guy with a big bushy beard that's bald, and he has this weird voice, this weird delivery kind of like uh, kind of monotone voice. He's a very well known comedian, and I'm like, what's he doing in this? And it's like, yeah, he has a bit uncredited part as the driver, and quickly he gets. The creature kind of grabs him kind of fast, and it's like, wow, that's kind of weird. I guess they're bringing in, they're bringing in uh, contemporary people, and we will see that throughout the show that we have cameos, you know, of of known actors and known people, you know, in it. The scene where the ship is taken off and out of the water, that same creature that grabs the driver and pulls him underwater, tries to grab the ship. Yeah, and that whole scene again. I know you're younger, but I don't know how much you've you, you've looked into this. But that whole sequence is very reminiscent of the holiday special animated section of Boba Fett. In the holiday special, the cartoon part, the only thing that's barely watchable out of that entire <laughs> holiday special, there's a sequence where Boba Fett rescues Luke. Uh, but he's riding this dinosaur kind of creature, and the dinosaur creature kind of attacks the ship. Because uh, Luke happens to be riding a Y-Wing. And during the Y-Wing, uh, he ejects the, the pod of the Y-Wing to get away from that creed, from this, this creature. And then Boba Fett comes. But anyway, the point is that there's a lot... That is very reminiscent of that whole dinosaur creature trying to grab the ship and pull it under. And Boba Fett shoots at it. It's funny you see you brought up the Holiday Special because that, that rifle that he's using is also from the Holiday Special. So you, you can tell... Episode one, they're pulling in, you oh, know, they're pulling in all these you no know, deep cuts from, from you know, things like the holiday special, which you never thought you would see the light of day again. I know, and they gave us a preview of that. I remember uh, Fabro, I think, posted on his Twitter account a couple of things that were coming, and and they, we've seen a lot of them. I think we've seen all of them so far. The rifle with the with the tuning fork tip. Yeah, that's. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Like we mentioned earlier, also planet names are not very popular here, but you do you can find them. The planet that he goes to where he delivers his bounty and he gets assigned, you know, he meets Carl Weathers' character. He assigns him uh, a couple of more possible bounties, but he kind of turns them down because he wants something more special, something a little more expensive. That planet, when he's walking through those streets, if you ever get a chance to go to Galaxy's Edge, that's Galaxy's Edge. That kind of look. The dirty walls. I know it looks a little like Tatooine, but it looks a little worse than Tatooine. It looks a little more, a little less sandy, a little more uh, built up, but decrepit. That's exactly, you know, what it reminded me when I was looking at that stuff. Again, another another huge throwback. He knocks on the door and that big eye comes out, oh, which was yeah. from Jedi. 
Yeah, yeah. I, 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 that's another thing to bring up too. Is and, and I, I probably should have mentioned this a bit earlier when we were at the first cantina when he walked in. There's so many familiar aliens again, which is something. Oh, yeah. Which is something I again had a problem with with the sequel yeah. trilogies where you know I, I like new. It's not to say like I don't like new creatures and new planets and everything, but when you're trying to build a universe, you know, there is a point where it becomes too much where you just don't recognize anything. And then it feels like you're not watching the thing that you, you know, that you started with. So it, I was really glad to see a lot of like that. A lot of the original creatures that we, that we yep. meet in, in New Hope, which is really good to see. I remember my, my son had the same problem with a lot of the new films is that, that he misses the older creatures. Uh, but it makes more sense here because we're still, we're only five years away from Jedi. So we're kind of, you, you technically are still in that world, yeah. more or less. Well, I mean, to, 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 I mean, technically with the sequels, they're still in that world as well. It, it doesn't matter if it's years. I mean, I mean unless there's some like mass extinction, you yeah. know, those creatures oh, yeah, yeah. should still be around. They should. So as he goes to, to meet the guy that's hiring him, because it's such a secretive job that they won't even tell him. You know, Carl Weathers' character won't even tell him what he's got to go talk to the guy. He It's it's Warren Herzog. We talked about him during the, uh, the trailers. He's a German director, also actor. He's a really creepy, scary guy. <laughs> and with him, there's a doctor. I forget his name. He's like a scientist. And he's explaining to them, you know, this is the, you, the, you have to get the asset. And uh, I think they mentioned something. He's about 50 years old or something. You have to bring him back to us. So it's, it's, it's a bounty. He's got to grab this guy and bring him back to them. Now, one thing people have been noticing is that the guy who's the scientist, if you take a quick, careful look at his arm, he does have a cloner. A Kaminoian cloner patch symbol on his arm, which is like, oh, that's interesting. And we do remember even from Rogue One, I think, that some of those Imperial scientists, they did wear that white, blue and white kind of smocks. So we might be something heading in that direction, you know, with this. Yeah, down the line, I think, um, I mean... If, if this was written and directed by anyone else, I would say, oh, they're probably just tossing stuff that we know fans would, you know, have some fun with. But with, with, with Favreau and Filoni, you know, so in depth in the lore and everything, yeah. and this there has there's always been such like intention with what everything they do. <laughs> it feels like they're gonna try to just bring something into that that would resemble some sort of cloning storyline. Right. And I mean, I'm sure again. I'm, I'm sure there's a reason why they picked Filoni to do the first one. There's a lot of street cred that comes with Filoni yeah. and the fan base. We also see uh, outside again another one of these little quickie throwbacks: the monkey lizard from the salacious oh, crumb yeah. type of creature. <laughs> we see them in well, we see them in cages, but we also see them being roasted on a pit. <laughs> so it's like, oh, that's different. I wasn't expecting that. As he departs, because he they give him like a down payment on on this job. And the down payment is it's like a like a solid bar of steel, let's say, and it's supposed to be something very valuable to him. So he brings it to this kind of underground living environment where there's a, what appears to be other Mandalorians, even little kids running around with helmets. And he 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 kind of gives this bar to to this kind of person who's in charge of like the furnace or something, and they turn that into another piece of his armor. So let's talk. Well, again, we know this a little bit at a time, but this is the first time we kind of start to understand that there's more of them. Yeah, yeah. But I think we all. I mean, going into, I think for the more hardcore fans, we knew that there's there's going to be you know a, 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 at the very least a sort of like tribe of them, but. We didn't know we didn't know if they were like united yet, or if they knew each other, or if they've been like disbanded. So seeing them together like this, um, as they melt like you know the uh, 
uh, it's to me it always look like it, it looked like the back of an iPhone. But as when they melt that bar, <laughs> when they melt that bar down you know, to, to create his. Now we know what happens to all of our old <laughs> iPhones all, that we yeah. don't use anymore. <laughs> <laughs> as they melt the uh, the iPhone down, and, you know, to make his armor. Um, <laughs> Also, is this the scene where they have like the? I mean, there's like a flashback he has. He has a okay, flashback. Okay. It, it is not that there are future ones, but I believe you start to get a little bit of him as a little kid being rescued uh, or something, hidden, right? Rescued yeah. and hidden, but you don't see too much. Now, granted, in the trailers we did see some of the attack that's being taking place. It's Clone Wars. Yeah, it's it's battle droids. It's 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 those flying gunships. It's all kinds of stuff like that. So we start to get these flashbacks from him. We also learn, you know, it was him that that I guess the parents were able to hide. But we also learn that from these uh, melted iPhones, as you mentioned, <laughs> whatever that doesn't get used for him gets used for the young the younger ones. The it it, it helps, say, I guess, to fund yeah, to fund their their upbringing and their maybe their uh, armor too or something like that. So it's it's a community. It's something that they have to contribute. You know, they get their thing, but they also have to contribute. So that's uh that's something new and and that that we will explore later. Later on in, in later episodes that we get more information about that. So he goes out to the, the, the area, you know, he's giving one of these trackers, these fobs, these trackers to go to the area where he thinks that, uh, you know, his, his asset is at. So as soon as he arrives at the planet where hopefully the asset is, is, is being kept, he has a run in with a creature that is kind of like a giant frog type of thing. We kind of, I think we've seen this on, on Clone Wars, right? Uh, I, 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 it's not, if it's not the same creature, it was very similar. I mean, it looks like the one that Anakin was riding in the fields. It's, it's not like, that creature, but it looks yeah. very, it's, it's like big, bloated, but like... Like a two-legged frog yeah, giant. Some, yeah, frog a two-legged thing. frog with something in his mouth already here. So he's attacked by one, and another character arrives riding one that saves him, that helps him out, named... What's the name? Quir- uh, Quir- I believe it's pronounced Quill. Quill. And he is, the voice is played by Nick Nolte, <laughs> which you hear battle. that voice and it's like, yep, that's Nick Nolte. You hear that gruff voice. And, uh, you know, after he's done talking, he says, I have spoken. So it's kind of like, all right, it's the end of the conversation. He, he's got nothing more to say. So he kind of helps him out during this episode and he doesn't want any money for it. He doesn't want any because he kind of sees him as somebody who's here to kind of get the asset out of there to kind of pacify the area because there's a lot of, I guess, violence taking place because of a lot of these bounty hunters coming in and out, you know, and and, and I guess maybe even some Imperial remnants or something, you know. So he has this other kind of, uh, I guess, philosophy of, of helping him for no charge. So that leads him to find the location of where the acid is hidden. And then they have this great sequence where he's teaching him how to basically ride one of these creatures. Um, yep. where he And again, it's a Western sequence of breaking the horse. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yep. It's it's the breaking the horse sequence. Yeah, really, yeah, beat for beat. I mean, they're really following the, you know, the the main, you know, archetypes of a stereotypical Western yep. here. As soon as he gets there, he already realizes there's a problem because it appears that somebody else is already there before him. And it's a, it's a droid, kind of like the IG-88 droid, but I think they call him IG-11 for these purposes. And that droid is just shooting up the place like crazy, uh, trying to get to a building where hopefully this, this asset is at. And I absolutely love this scene. We saw a little bit on the trailer and granted, now I kept thinking about this through the Clone Wars, the animated show, we got to see what these droids are like 
well, because it was the Clone Wars, they're, they're earlier models. Uh, but we got to actually see them move and talk and walk around. But not until I saw this did I get a, 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 a real good sensation of what Empire Strikes Back we saw there. Because I remember seeing that thing, that IG-88, and I'm like, and I have every single version of the toy from the 70s, from, you know, I have them all. And I'm like, well, how could this thing do anything? It's just like a big lump of nothing. It's just, he doesn't articulate, he has no knees. He, it's like, how does he walk? What is, and here you got to see all of that and yes, more. Yes, yes. And I, I thought the same exact thing, you know. And well, and it's funny, I mean, we saw Empire Strikes Back, you know, probably years apart. But, like, when I saw it, I thought, I, saw this, I thought the same thing. I always saw that thing standing there. I was like, it looks like something that's, like, a result of, like, a speeder crash. Like, it looks like, it looks like, it looks like you know, something that, that's left over. Leftover parts from everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but when you see it now and you see them fighting back to back and he's like, he the way he fights is just so awesome like he it, well his his head yeah, spins, spins and his like, waist everything spins so he can do multiple things and then there's a scene where like his hips spin so he can walk in the yeah. opposite direction and like whoa yeah, and, 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 like that? everything about it is like of course and then now that i'm you know now that you see it now you're like oh of course that's how it would work you know it, it, everything is so like precise and you know um able yeah. to, to move and like find a shot here then move there it it, it, it looks amazing uh, how they they brought like something so sort of silly looking to, to being right. something so and, badass and i would you know i remember i i would read in the past it's like in the description of the ig88 type droid oh these are assassin droids like yeah okay what the how is this droid gonna kill anything it's it's a big piece of metal it doesn't really do much and even after watching clone wars and don't get me wrong in clone wars we did get to see those type of droids but this kind of blew even that away out of the water as far as I'm concerned oh, yeah. because it's like, wow, those things are dangerous. Those things are really, really dangerous. So we get a huge shootout where the, the Mandalorian at one point is able to grab this like a, like a repeater gun turret. <laughs> Again, it's very westerny. It's the I, I could I mean I I could be watching Clean Eastwood right now uh, and and Lee Van Cliff <laughs> yeah, and, and and Eli Wallach. You know all those guys doing the same moves except with with guns. Uh, you know, I, with I expect John Wayne to come here. <laughs> oh my God! It's just it's perfect. And uh, you know they finally take care of all the bad guys that are there, and they're they go inside because the the IG eighty eight droid. And every every other minute he thinks like, okay, we're done for. I'm gonna just I'm gonna just uh, self destroy. And he said, no, no, don't self destroy. Don't self destroy. So he keeps talking him out of self destroying. <laughs> So they finally get inside and they're looking at what the thing that they're there to get is. And at first you just see this like a little egg looking container and they're both kind of looking at it. And the uh, the IG-11 unit, he's like, okay, I'm going to kill it because that's what I was hired to do. <laughs> but the Mandalorian was told to bring it alive. So you get a close up of his face and you hear the gunshot, the blaster fire. And you're like, oh crap. And the ig11 unit drops to the ground the mandalorian just shot it right in the okay, head okay what's going on and then you see what's going on inside this little container why don't you tell us what we saw yeah well we saw probably i would want to say and you know hyperbole here or anything i'm not trying to exaggerate but this may be probably the biggest thing to happen to star wars <laughs> In merchandising history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, 
in, in merchandising history and I guess in maybe in perhaps canon history. I mean, this thing is huge. Oh. What we see, uh, complete opposite in you know literal sense. We see a, a baby um, version of the race that is that's what Yoda was a part of. And we see the cutest, most, uh, <laughs> you know, overly designed, cute character you can think of where it blows the porgs out of the water. You know, uh, and, and oh. this thing has been like really blowing up the, the Internet and social media, really. is all we see every week now is GIFs and memes and images oh. of this thing compared to like Gizmo yeah, I, and all these other uh, oh, other cute yeah ET everything everything uh, now what's amazing about this is that they kept it quiet yeah. there's no sign of this on the trailers obviously oh, yeah. there were no leaked pictures there was no leaked anything and as a result of this that's why there is no merchandise right now people are losing their minds looking for merchandise and the only thing you're going to find right now is maybe some t-shirts you know anything that's printed that's easy to make but they're saying already come april i believe the merchandise will be available you can i already pre-order i know i already pre-ordered <laughs> something but they're saying not until they won't be shipped till april so it is Again, I don't want to get too deep into the merchandising because I know we love talking about the merchandising, but this is like a dream come true for manufacturers. Oh. This thing is is Ewoks, BB-8, Yoda, R2-D2, the, the Porgs all rolled into one creature. It's just ridiculous. Uh, I, think, I, I think Kenner is like rolling over in their grave somewhere. You know? <laughs> oh my God. So the scene ends with him kind of reaching his hand to the little baby and the little baby kind of reaching his hand towards him. Boom. End of episode. Credits roll. Now, the credits is something I also want to oh, talk yeah, about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They've true. been doing. You get to see all the concept. And this is like chum Oh, yeah, no, this, the same here. Just, I'm a big fan of like the concept art and early design work. So seeing this thing is, oh, is almost half the fun. <laughs> and it's funny because at first I was thinking, well, maybe they're just drawing these afterwards to kind of match. But no, some of these drawings are different. They are early concept stuff that, the, the, in other words, they would have a drawing of an actor interacting with the Mandalorian, and the actor looks nothing like the person that they finally hired yep. to play it. So, it's like I said, it's catnip for me. This is all catnip. I can't wait till they take all these concept art from all the entire series, and I probably won't do it until they're done, and put it in a book form, because it's, it's gorgeous. I really hope they don't miss the ball on this, because I'm, I'm assuming that we're going to get like an art of Mandalorian. I really hope so, because... This some oh. images here really that, that, that like there's one um um I don't have it in front of me but there's one of like the sand crawler which we'll see down the road like parked next yep. to his ship this you know the Razor Crest and it just looks gorgeous I love it. Well, the cinematography is is ridiculous. It's it's cinematic and I know we've been talking about cinematic cinematography not to repeat <laughs> ourselves uh, when it comes to Star Trek Discovery and how that show is so beautiful looking. This is amazing. You know, granted, when you have a lot of these vistas, these these uh, rocky formations in the sun and and the the twilight sky, that perfect sky that all Hollywood films try to to get that 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 purpley pink, you get a lot of that in this. You could see frames of this being turned into portraits because it is so beautiful looking. They just don't seem to have anything missing. It's all there for you. I will say this, there's a few episodes down the road which we'll, t- which we'll talk on, which it, it did actually take me out of it, the sets and the, cin- and the, and the cinematography, where mm-hmm. I think, and I'll touch on when we, when, we get, when we get there, but my complaint starts coming in in the later episodes, we'll see. But uh, yeah, the, the, after episode <laughs> one, I was fully on board. I was like, let's go, you know. I was all aboard the train, so I am uh, just getting into chapter two then. 
Yep, chapter two is called The Child, directed by Rick Famayua. Another new director. He's done some work in films, I believe. I'm not very familiar with his work, but this one's also written by Fabro, just like the first one. And as you go through these episodes, they basically gave everybody two episodes to direct, almost everybody. And at the end, the last episode, which we haven't seen or aired yet, that's the one by Taika Watiti, the guy from yeah, uh, Ragnarok. And, and yeah. he was also, as a matter of fact, the voice of the IG-11 unit. So interesting that they kind of worked them into that too so the second episode is basically the mandalorian has the child the the asset the baby yoda so as he's heading back you know to go to his ship one of the first things we see is these little lizard kind of little dinosaur kind of creatures are all over they're like around him they're watching him which reminded me of the of of the jawas back in new hope where they're watching r2d2 walking through that canyon well these little creatures are walking around. They're not very threatening or anything. They look like something out of Jurassic Park, to tell you the truth. He's being followed. And he's attacked by two Trandosians, which are the Bosque kind of creatures. And they get into this big fight. What's interesting is that they are almost wearing the same thing as Bosque, except instead of the yellow outfits, they're wearing these blue outfits. They have the same kind of um, life vest on top of them, but yeah. they're wearing these these blue outfits. So he gets into a fight with them, so we get a little bit of that. That was kind of cool. We get one of them make a run for the little baby Yoda, and he shoots him with the rifle, and now we get to see, I think for the first time, that rifle in action completely disintegrates the Transdosian. And you're like, oh, wait a minute, I understand now. That line from Empire. Yeah, yeah. Now it all makes sense. No, and and from what we see on screen, Darth Vader had a very good reason to say no disintegrations because this right. thing just like vaporizes you into Thanos stock dust. <laughs> no, there's like nothing left afterwards, and and they do kind of mention that I think at some point earlier in the previous episode that there had to be proof of life of, or, or proof of death because of that whole issue of the type of weapons that he uses. He does get injured as a result of that confrontation. And as he's there at night, because he hasn't gotten to his ship yet, the little baby Yoda to me, you know, he's he's working on his arm. I think he's trying to heal his arm with some kind of device. And the little baby Yoda tries to reach for his arm. And to me, it looked like he was trying to heal him in some shape or form, but he never got to because he keeps kind of putting him back down to his yeah, place. Because, yeah, the Mandalorian thinks he's like just, you know, playing around. He's like, stop it. Stop. Get out of here. So so he, he's like going back to like fixing his his arm with like the, the right. spanner thing. And but like he keeps picking, he, he's putting the Yoda back up, you know, so he, no, move, move, go away. It's very funny, very cute, which I never expected this show to do that at this point. You know, I would expect this show to have like a cute episode, just like you have a funny episode, you know, with Star Trek or anything. But no, this is, they're combining everything so far on each episode. They're combining the cute with the with the serious at the same time. Yeah, yeah, and I, th- I think like the blend of it is perfect because we're not getting too, we're not, it's not like the prequels where a lot of times they would go too much into into the mm. into the comical silliness of it. Yeah. This is, this is especially at this point, we're, we're getting a very good, like, like we just had a, a scene over him vaporize a guy, you know, yeah, the dust. Exactly. And then, and then uh, the next thing we're getting a scene of, you know, Baby Yoda looking amazingly cute. So it's like, it's going, it's, it's giving a very good balance. So as, the day breaks, they keep continuing to walk towards the ship. And as they approach the ship, there's a sand crawler, a Jawa sand crawler, yeah. which it's really cool looking at it because 
again, there's a lot of Macquarie stuff in here. If you guys are fans of Macquarie like I am, the top of the sand crawler has a lot of junk on top of it. Yeah. The front door is open, and you can see so much junk inside, which is right out of the uh, the old conceptual drawings, I remember, before they just turned it into a box for Star Wars for, for practical purposes. Yeah, yeah. But I was just about to say, yeah, because in A New Hope, we see it. It looks very clean. Well, I mean, clean in, like, you know, relative terms. But it's very yeah. – it, there's nothing – uh, there's no like extras attached. It's just it's just literally you know it's the box. Right. This is like you see like the um there was there were like flags and like uh, like, like cranes and, and yeah, stuff yeah, like and stuff all stuff kinds like, of things yeah, attached to the top. Like, yeah, where it makes it look like it, this thing is actually practical. It's actually you know they actually have a uses for a lot of this stuff. And they actually live in it. It's not just yeah. a vehicle. It's their it's like a mobile little city for yeah. them. Well, another thing about these Jawas. And again, what's happening is he, what he sees is them, they're stripping his ship apart. They're taking it apart for pieces, and he just freaks out and starts running after them. But one thing that I've noticed is that these Jawas look a little different. Again, this is in Tatooine. These, this is a different planet we're on. Yep. And the first thing that's very noticeable, first of all, the eyes are red instead of yellow. So you do see that. But the other thing I noticed on this episode is that the robes are not exactly the same brown color as Tatooine. Well, yeah, they're dark. They're a little more on the purpley gray side. Yeah, yeah, they're darker, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're a different shade, which kind of makes sense. A different planet is the same creature, but the clothing they use is based on what's available in that area, I yeah. guess, you know, to make whatever it is that they're wearing. Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. I was tipped off by this by because I was trying to get the whole Black Series collection. So, so the Black Series action figure of this one is, it, yep. is labeled as Off-World Jawa. So I was like, okay, oh. so clearly these guys are not on uh, the Tatooine. Right. Clearly, is the figure also colored differently? The, yeah, oh, yeah, is, yeah. Is the robe yeah. also different in the in the toy? Yeah, yeah. The the, the robe is dark cool. purple with and it has like the red eyes. So yeah. Yep. So. What happens next is a chase scene of, of the Mandalorian running after the Sandcrawler as the Sandcrawler is, is driving away, getting away from him. And the little Yoda is bouncing, you know, floating behind him because that little egg-shaped thing that he's being carried on kind of floats along, kind of like the uh, the carbon freezing uh, slabs oh, that he yeah. was carrying on the first episode. They kind of follow along. And th this whole sequence of him chasing and climbing and trying to get in and fighting them, and they're throwing things at him. <laughs> Somebody mentioned it, and I, and I remember, yes, that's exactly what it reminded me of. If you guys seen Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade, there's a sequence where Indy is chasing the Nazi tank. Uh, yeah. And he's fighting on the side of the tank, and the tank driver purposely tries to kind of grind against some rocks to get him off. They do that whole sequence here, the same thing. They try to kind of grind him against some rocks and he kind of dodges it and he's trying to climb back on top of it and he's pulling Jawas out of windows and stuff, little little doors open up and uh, they're throwing so much yeah, junk at him and all that stuff is... <laughs> And it's all hitting him in the head and, and on the body, and he's being, and he finally reaches the top, and boom! They all zap him with one of those guns that they have that, that with the blue lightning, yeah. and he's he's down, he's completely out, yeah, which, down and out. Well, which now brings up the point where I didn't realize it up to this point, but his armor is mechanical. Like his his armor is actually like you know because if that was just normal regular armor, you know, I don't think the, the electricity would have affected him. But clearly, you know, that, that means his armor has like some sort of like mechanical you know yeah. you no know, uh, underlines to it so it was cool but we know we do know he has a lot of weapons within the armor that we learn about little by little yeah so there is a lot of electronics involved and and i, and I like the fact that and this is, this goes on for later episodes too where 
Mando doesn't win a lot of these fights. Like he 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 gets oh he gets really nope. beaten up throughout almost every episode. It's been uh, it, it, it reminds me of Indiana Jones yeah, yeah, a lot of yeah. that Indiana they, Jones yeah, they, of they, they him put getting him through a lot. Like it, it, yeah, like I said, it reminds me of Indy where he gets like, you know, beaten down, but you know, he always comes out on top somehow, which is great. So he comes to after being knocked out. And he gets reunited again with Nick Nolte, his, his little Ugnat character. And he kind of explains to him that if he wants his ship back and, you know, he's going to have to negotiate, he's going to have to trade something, you know, with the Jawas so that they can then give him all his parts back to put his ship back together. So he arranges a meeting with them. And, you know, they ask him that first they want like part of his armor or something. He's like, no, the armor is, is my religion or something. Or, weapon, or my yeah, guns yeah, are my, my religion. So they won't give him that. They ask him for the little baby Yoda. No, no, you can't have baby Yoda. And then all of a sudden they come up with the egg. It's like, okay, what the hell is the egg? So they want him to go and retrieve something called the egg from some weird cave. So he goes out there into this weird cave which you know nothing good can no, come out of not this. Not so. <laughs> and he gets into a fight with this creature that comes out of the cave, which is like a giant, like a hairy rhinoceros type of thing. Yeah, it, lo- it, it looks right? like it, what reminded me instantly of was is in episode two, the Reek, where um, the, yeah, the, the thing yeah, that trampled yeah. Jango Fett. Exactly, exactly. And like you mentioned before, he's getting his ass kicked by this creature because every time the creature hits him more of his armor starts getting banged up and broken and he's to a point where he just cannot handle it anymore he's ready to basically give up all he's got left is his 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 weapons are gone all he's got left is a blade he pulls out and you can you can barely see it in this episode you'll see it later that the blade seems to be vibrating like like shaking i wasn't sure if he was just being shaking shaking it because he was kind of like ready to pass out or something. But no, it's a Bible blade, which we've heard about these blades before with all of the Return of the Jedi toys that we had. All the little Jabba guys had these blade spear things, but you never saw them vibrating. But we were told that's what they do. Well, now you actually get to see it and we'll see it later even more. So right about the second he's about to get completely clobbered by this creature the little baby yoda raises his hand and the creature rises in the air and he's like uh, staggering he can't you know he can't move because he's up in the air and then drops it down and and the mandalorian is able to stab it like near the head somewhere where i guess it's a good spot to kill this thing and the thing just drops down. yeah apparently like yeah. and that's downplay the scene because it, it, it was a very like built up scene where it was very cinematic like this scene was supposed to show you this is what you've been you know this is what you've been expecting you know and it's this great moment the music was swelling until we see the shot of the of this stampeding creature just struggling in the air just being halted by the force by the by what the baby yoda is doing which what, is, what we think it's, it must be the force oh yeah yeah maybe you know we don't know but yeah it has to be so and and you're right that whole sequence reminded me of of the reek when the when the reek charges jango fett and knocks him over in attack of the clones in the Ocean battle arena yep. that reminded me so much of that it's i mean to me it was a callback to attack of the clones oh, definitely. and also there was another scene i forgot to mention when the mandalorian is fighting with the jawas and pulling them off the uh, sand crawler and, and throwing them out it reminded me of return of the jedi when luke is crawling up jabba's skiff, oh, skiff. and he's pulling the henchmen out of the walls yeah, right. out of the windows out, yeah. and pulling them out so there's there's so many i mean to me it seems like there's so many callbacks so now that this creature is dead he can go back in the cave now 
and look for this thing and he comes out holding this it's like a hairy football what it looked like to me it's disgusting so he's got to walk all the way back now the Jawas are getting ready to leave this guy's not coming back and Nick Nolte's telling them no wait he's okay well whatever and then he sees him walking Nick Nolte is telling him this (laughs) yeah he's like forget it he's dead no he sees him coming by he comes by he gives them the egg and the egg is literally an egg they crack it open and start eating uh, egg yolk out of that egg it's disgusting (laughs) and they're all happy so they give him all the parts back so now he's got the parts to go back to his ship and they, I think they basically spend the night putting the ship back together, and they're off now to their next destination. Yep. He says goodbye to him again, once again. And just to say at this point, I, I like how like self-contained these stories are becoming. Like we're, we're as as much as I do want like you know a big grander scheme story, you know, but I, I sort right. of enjoy having these episodes, especially in the beginning. I mean, it's the first season here, so I like having these episodes where it's. You know, we, we, we get a character building story, we focus on a few characters, and then we move on to the next, where it, it feels like it's very tight, it's, it's very concise. It's not like, you know, where it's just too much, where it's automatically start out with like this big grand scale and everything. I, like, I really like the pacing so far. Yeah, yeah, and, and we do get to meet these uh, guest stars, if you will, where they're, they're there for a very short time. And I was afraid, or I didn't know, or I didn't realize at the time that the, the little baby Yoda was gonna be such an important character. Yeah who seems to be kind of continuing as far as we go along with this story so far. You know, like I say, we're about halfway through and we're still in that Baby Yoda mode. We're still trying to figure out what's going on. Yeah, yeah. Clearly this season is going to be all about just focusing. The, yeah. the, 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 by, the, the byline of the whole season is going to be Baby Yoda. So we move on to Chapter 3, uh, which is called The Sin, directed by Deborah Chow, who, from what I understand, is going to be the showrunner for the Obi-Wan Kenobi show. So that's an important name to remember. Once again, written by John Fabro, this episode basically concentrates on the Mandalorian returning the asset, you know, bringing him in. So he goes to the location exactly where it is that he's supposed to uh, deliver him. And uh, the funny thing is that the they give him his money and the money is delivered in a container, oh, which yeah. again, it, I was talking about the John Fabro Twitter uh, pictures. It's the ice cream maker oh, cool. from uh, maker, Cloud yeah. City, the guy, the ice cream maker guy with the big the white uh, container, that white container, Will, Will Rohood, Ro- that Hood. white container is holding all his money. Now, why don't you tell us what's, how is that weird or different? Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's pretty different. It's, it's such a random callback to Empire where, in, in fact, I, I don't even think like that ice cream, Kroko uh-huh. ice cream maker, that's, I think, I think that's something more of a fan creation. Like I think, I think <laughs> fans saw it in the background and we're just like you know so enthralled by like oh you know who's who's this guy exactly. and his ice cream maker and suddenly it like became like there's now i i i think there's an action figure yes. of wilbur hood they made ice one cream maker. and the reason why it's everybody refers to her as an ice cream maker is because the prop was an ice cream maker oh, oh was it oh okay. yeah 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 people i've seen pictures on the internet somebody posted that hey i found one an actual real, I don't know what brand it is, but it's it's that white, it's an ice cream maker. I I, I always saw it, 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 it that people just saw it and like, we said, hey, that looks like an ice cream maker. I didn't know it nope. actually literally was an ice cream It's maker. a real ice cream maker. That's why they, they gave it that little name. <laughs> oh, okay. I, 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 I really need to get one now. I gotta find one. So he gets, uh, he gets all his money, uh, but right before leaving, he even asks them, hey, what are you going to do with the kid? You know, what's... And they're kind of a little myth. The guy Herzog is a little miffed. He's like, "Well, you're not supposed to ask me that. You know, your your people don't ask those kind of questions." So he's allowed yep. to leave with his money, 
And you can tell everywhere he's walking with that money, everybody's eyeballing him because they know he's he's uh, he's got a lot of money there. By the way, throw something in here. The Mandalorian is, is I'm sure he's like a great bounty hunter and all, but he's not exactly the most subtle person. I know, right? Like, like, <laughs> he he walks around with Baby Yoda like unveiled, like just out and about. Yeah, I, I, he walks he walks to the streets with this. With you you figure you would at least close the the the, yeah, the hood, yeah. the, the lid on him. Yeah, he wants to have his money just like, you know, walking down the street <laughs> with his big bale of money. Well, you know what it is? I think it's the equivalent of in a Western, they walk around with the leather satchel. And you know that leather satchel is full of like Confederate dollars or something, you know, <laughs> and it's it's or gold bars. And you're like and everybody's watching him because, you know, that he's got all that stuff. But yeah, that's uh, he's not very. And even later, even in later episodes. So yeah, yeah. He, he goes to his uh, back to his Mandalorian clubhouse, you know, underground clubhouse. <laughs> and uh, again, even his own people, they're all like, oh, wait a minute. This guy's got something. They know he's got a lot. So he opens the thing. And there's a lot of money in there. And it is mentioned in one of those because he's going to turn this into more armor, obviously. Uh, and some of it is going to go for the younglings or the young whatever. But the rest of them there, they're kind of like pissed off at it, especially one guy. He's really pissed off because he looks at it and he notices that it's got the the Imperial insignia on it. And he's like, well, these are the guys that are responsible for the the reason why we live underground now because they, they obliterated us. And now he's making deals with them. And we also kind of learned through that conversation that they're only allowed to go out one at a time because they're trying to hide their numbers. Yeah. So... One goes out, the the rest of them have to stay in, which is like, oh, that's kind of weird and messed up if you think about it. Yeah, which, which strikes me as odd as well because, like, if one, I mean, they, they all wear very distinctive armor. Like, so, if, I mean, if one goes out, I'm pretty sure people are going to realize, I mean, uh, this, this is a different guy. I mean, they're all different sizes and different armor shapes and everything. So yeah. You, I mean, you can go out one at a time, but I think people are going to realize there might be more than one of you when you have, like, completely different armor on, you know, from day one. Yeah. And and he gets into a, an argument with one of the biggest of all of them there. Yeah. And they start to kind of go at it, and they both pull out their blades at some point. And once again, these blades are, are they're vibrating. And you're like, oh, my God, that's so cool. Now I understand these things even more. But they kind of stop the fight because the, the, the guy, the, the lady, I think, who's, who's actually making all the armor for him, you know, they all kind of agreed, oh, this is our way of doing it. And, and, you know, we all respect our way, blah, 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 whatever. So, okay, everybody comes down. They make the armor for him. And as they're making the armor, we get another one of these flashbacks. His family being shot at by everybody being destroyed by the, by the uh, battle droids, super battle droids. And him being uh, put into a like an underground door thing. So he's hiding, but his parents are not couldn't get in there. And then you hear explosions as if his parents, I assume, are dying or dead. And then the doors swing open and it's a battle droid kind of pointing at him. And then the whole thing ends right there as if he was just about to die before whatever yeah, something, something must came have, to rescue him or something. Yeah. Oh, also, uh, j- j- just to, to you know, the Mandalorian that he got into a fight with, the big guy, that's also yes. voiced by uh, John Favreau. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. You're absolutely right. Ironically, John Favreau did the voice for the Mandalorian episodes, uh, the pre Vizsla yeah. character yep. in the Clone Wars. So he does have a, a history with the Mandalorian culture as far oh, as yeah, the, yeah. as far as the show goes. 
So Mandalorian now is wearing his nice shiny uh, outfit. Yeah. He's got just about every piece that he needs, you know, in, in full silver chrome. And he's walking around. You can tell. It's like, like you were mentioning, dude, you shouldn't be showing this stuff. Everybody's going to, they're going to mug. Someone's going to mug you or something. <laughs> like when, when, when he first walked into the bar with this new shiny armor, all I could think it was like the ZZ Top song, like Sharp Just Man playing. I guess he has to like strolls to the bar. <laughs> And I expected everybody to just jump on him at that point, but no, everybody's kind of like they're all eyeballing him, but they're they're kind of playing it cool. And he wants, you know, he wants another job, so he's like, okay, I'm here for another job. So he accepts a new job from him, from Carl Weathers, a uh, grief carga. I, I I I still have trouble uh, remembering their 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 character names. It's gonna take a while to, to memorize all these. We're, we're getting a lot thrown at us, so. Yeah, and, and he even asked him, he's like, you know, how many people did you send out for this bounty? It wasn't just me, because I kept, you know, he was like, I think he said something like everybody was, uh, just about everybody was out there, you know, chasing this thing down. So he gets back to his ship, you know, to go on his, and he, and he has a change of heart. He he starts looking at this little thing that, that, that Yoda, little baby Yoda was playing with in, in one of the controls, and he's like, uh, you can tell he's he's changing his mind. He doesn't, he doesn't want to leave the, the baby Yoda, so he goes back to where he dropped them off. And uh, they do this effect where you could kind of see people's... Uh, he, he's, he's looking through the through a building and he can see inside and they do this, the heat signature of the individual, of the people oh, yeah. talking inside and they're talking about how they're, I guess they're going to do some kind of experiment or some procedure or something. It's it's Warren Herzog and, and I guess one of the doctors. And uh, what's, again, interesting, the, the heat signature effect and we have Carl Weathers here is exactly what they used to do for Predator. In the Predator oh, movie, yeah. you have the heat... A signature so it's again to me i'm thinking oh look it's a it's a callback to predator that's kind of cute so he basically decides at this moment that he's going to go and rescue the the baby so he has to basically get back inside that building and he has to, and he starts shooting them up with the stormtroopers that are there there was one stormtrooper i noticed and i think i might have seen it on the first episode his gun is not a typical stormtrooper blaster it's a short gun and i remember seeing these shorter style guns in some of the um, the books of the making of uh, Star Wars, where they kind of modified all different types of uh, weapons to make them look like something futuristic, you make the barrel itself is shorter. Right, right. But it, it looks, it looks, it almost looks like a gun with a double muzzle. It's mm. not the rifle that the typical stormtroopers are wearing. This one guy is is holding this different kind of, and I'm like, wow, they actually went that far back and were able to either recre- recreate or retrieve one of these early built weapons, which is really, really cool. I mean, again. This is nerdy, deep, deep dive type of <laughs> yeah. stuff that, that I noticed. What you also have is him being able to retrieve the child. And, and, and he doesn't kill the doctor because the doctor's like, I was trying to protect him. I didn't let him do what they wanted to do or something like that. So he doesn't kill, kill the doctor, but he kills basically all the stormtroopers. And now he knows he's got to get the hell out of there because somebody's going to find out what happened. And this is where you get your John Wick moment uh, of this episode, where every bounty hunter at the bar, their little fobs go off all at the same time. It's like they're, you know, it's like everybody's cell phone going off at the same time. And they all come after him, just about every single one of them. And they, they basically surround him very close to his ship as he's trying to get out. And even Carl Weathers is there to tell him, you know, put the kid down. I might let you go, but you're not leaving here, you know, with 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 the child. So he 
basically takes everyone on at the same time. He's doing it really one-handed because on one hand he's got the kid because he no longer has that little floaty egg thing. He's holding yeah, he's, he's holding the, yeah. the baby in one hand. Mm-hmm. So he's shooting him up. He's climbing on top of this little transport with a rope with a little droid. And then the droid gets destroyed. He has to jump out. And he's he's having one of those moments again where you feel like, okay, it's over. They're they're gonna just they're they're ready to just take him down now and they're gonna just obliterate him. And all of a sudden you see something flying through the air, like incoming gunfire or something. And then why don't you uh, tell us uh, what proceeds next? Before you do that, though, there, there is one thing I love. I just remembered this earlier. Where, I don't know about you, but I got the biggest Total Recall vibes from when. Mando jumps on that, you know, that little, oh. and, and, he, and and the droid is piloting it, and the droid turns around, like rotates, the Johnny and looks cab. at him, it the looks Johnny like a cab. Johnny Cab, like hey, you're a Johnny. Uh, I could have sworn he, they were gonna do something like, you know, where he rips it out, like, like Arnold rips off the, yeah, the droid. Okay, I see that. I, I, I can see that. I, I really loved. That. I was like, oh, that, that is so, that is so close. But yeah, so I, after after the the big shootout, and he's being like chased down, basically, and he's he's pretty much you know he's pretty much done in get like this like so, like basically uh hell from above basically where they have like all the mandos come in all his fellow uh mandalorians on the rocket and, packs yeah yeah they have the jet packs going and this is something we've never seen in real uh live action before we've only seen no this we in, saw it in clone wars, in animated, clone wars yeah. which I, i'm glad like they did it I'm, I'm also glad they they didn't go it could have gotten a little too silly, I think. Um, yeah. But it, it was just them kind of like storming in, and then later on we see them take off with them. But it, it was really cool. Like they, they had like um, they just come in and wipe everyone out. They had the one uh, John Favreau voice. Well, the big guy comes yeah, with like that, a Gatling yeah, gun, that Gatling type of thing. gun repeater blaster, and he just like which and again to me it's another nod to a Predator. It's the <laughs> yeah, Gatling yeah, gun yeah. from Jesse Ventura, <laughs> which which it, was, it, it just looks awesome. It, it, I think it's the same gun that um. From Rogue One, also where Baze Baze has something oh. similar. Um, oh, you you could be yeah, you're right. They did have something like um, that. But yeah, so, so uh, this scene was just really really cool. Like, so they give him basically enough cover. Yeah, he can get to out there. Engage them so he can get the hell out of there. He gets on the ship, but guess who's in there waiting for him? Carl Weathers well, is there, <laughs> and they have their little shoot out there he tricks him and he shoots him and carl weather goes goes down falls out of the ship he gets on the ship flies away but then we do see that carl weather's injury uh that he got hit again typical uh, western fashion he had one of those iphone things <laughs> <laughs> and he got shot and if this was a western this would have been his flask yeah he would have gotten shot in the flask or the sheriff badge. It hit him on the sheriff badge. You know, something like that. So we know he's not dead. We know he's going to come back at some point to, to make more trouble for him. So uh, the Mandalorian is able to escape with the baby Yoda. And uh, they're off and running again. Yep. Again, I would have I would have loved to end it here. But I think they went a little too far with the whole... Because I, I, we, see, we see Mandalorian flying out. And then we see, you know, the, the big... The big guy, like yeah. fly up next to him and give like this like salute thing, and well, they're saying that's the that's the Iron Man moment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty much, like I I, I get it, but I don't know. It just seems a little a little weird. Like there's a few, <laughs> there's a few scenes in this whole overall season of this overall show so far where you know sometimes they, they might go a little too far, like something I wouldn't have done, a little, come yeah. off a little cheesy, but like well, my, my my thing is the the salute. That's the contemporary salute. Yeah, I don't think we ever saw a salute in any shape or form in Star yeah. Wars. 
powers. Yeah, I think if it was if it, if it was a salute in another way, like if it was like some sort yeah. of Mandalorian, this struck yeah. this struck me as straight up, straight up, you know, like yeah, Captain America to Iron Man, you know, like it was the Top Gun yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, but well, once again, at the end of this episode, though, there was I I grabbed a few screenshots of of the concept art at the end, and it was it, again just all the artwork oh. here really really good. And I would also say that this is also one of these episodes where the fan and again I haven't been tracking the fanboy reaction I don't want to track the fanboy reaction because I don't want to go to that other camp of fanboys to see if they're now satisfied because I don't I I rather they they're not satisfied I rather live in a world where they're not satisfied satisfied with anything and all they all they they do is wake up and complain about things because I don't know how they're reacting to this, but I think as far as just general normal reaction, normal this this was like people are just flipping yeah. out between the cuteness and the action and the mythology, you know, being able to tap into these things that were untouchable in the past, even even with the animated show when Lucas was involved, you know, there are certain things that Lucas would not let Filoni touch. Yeah, yeah. You don't mess with this, you don't mess with Yoda that. Himself, they're yeah. really Oh, forget it, forget it. We move on to chapter four, which is called Sanctuary. This one is directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, which is the daughter of Ron Howard. She is, I guess she's a director now. I honestly don't understand how she got this job (laughs) because I don't know what her directing background is. This might be the first thing she's done. I don't know. I mean, the, the episode was great. But I just maybe it's the connection to uh, to to Solo because it's Ron Howard's kid, so maybe. Uh, once again written by John Favreau. This is an episode where uh, you know he's trying to find a place to make to put this little baby uh, somewhere to keep him out of harm's way, and he basically finds this planet. But before we actually reach the planet, before he reaches the planet, we get a little bit of a background on this planet that seems to be in an area where there's like farmers, like shrimp farmers, krill farmers, and that they're being harassed by, again, I mean, I I know I keep saying this, this is typical spaghetti western. This is the, uh, the, the banditos that are coming to harass the farmers. You know, it's exactly that scenario. It, it's also very, and let, me, let me know what you think of this. It, it, it strikes me as very Star Trek-y. Like, this is actually my least favorite of the episodes. <laughs> but no, but it, it, seriously, like, this reminds me of something like from like Deep Space Nine or like Insur- Star Trek Insurrection where it's like, you know, they find like a group of, you know, a, back, a sort of a backwater planet. Uh, yeah, you want to get them out of there and they won't leave. They don't want, every, every Star Trek incarnation has done yeah, that episode yeah. that's what, uh, multiple times sometimes. Yeah, that's why, and it, it was so sort of by the books. This is definitely my least favorite because it, it, it just, it just like I knew it was coming. I knew it was going to happen, and it was, it was very, very predictable. But I mean, it was still right, good. Right. I was still entertained by it, but it, it, it just felt like well, even Clone Wars has done this yeah. one, the one where the uh, the non-combatant, yep. the peaceful, loving natives uh, have to defend themselves. But forget Clone Wars, because I think even in Clone Wars, they didn't defend themselves. The Jedi were able to take care of everything. But this is, uh, I think this is for a few dollars more. This is the, uh, the, the Clean Eastwood has to help the the farmers how to, how to use weapons. They never use weapons ever. So it's that story that they're dealing with mm-hmm. here. So yeah, you do have this 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 group of like marauding bad guys who are who are there to steal stuff. All they do is steal stuff and they, uh, they have modern weapons. 
And uh, it's funny because when I was first watching them do that first attack where we're learning about what they are, it kind of, re- and again, this might be a little too old for you, but it reminded me of the Ewok movies. There was an Ewok, one of those two Ewok movies had these crazy monsters coming out of the woods to raid the Ewok village or or, or raid the that family that, that they get gets killed and then the little girl's all by herself and an orphan. It's like... It's like, oh no, and and they kind of look like generic monstery yeah, looking guys. Yeah, so like generic orc type of guys. And yeah, like orcs exactly. And now what's interesting is that uh, what I, what I found out was that uh, the the bad guys are supposed to be Clatoonians, and I thought Clatoonians were Clatu types of creatures, like which is one of my favorite ones from Return of the Jedi. But no, they're actually more like the if you guys have the action figures, the last seventeen Kenner ones, the Barada figures. They're these different looking head things. And unless you either freeze frame the show or look at the Kenner toy or look at the Hasbro toy that they put out for the Mandalorian, uh, where you have the ship, the, the ATST with the Clatoonian, yeah. his face does look like the Barada huh. creature. Again, this is super nerdy, crazy stuff I'm talking about. But keep that in mind because I was trying to figure out, well, who are these bad guys? Where, 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 they, where do they come from? What are they? So... Again, we, we it is established that these guys are, I guess, they all of a sudden they started harassing this community. And what I really liked about the community, at least the design of it, was the color blue. The little krill are yeah. blue. Their clothes that they wear are blue. The drinks are blue. So it's, it's this influence of blue where you could have gone the easy way on an episode like this and make everybody wear brown. Make them wear brown or yellow or some kind of dirt kind of colors. Very, far, very typical farmer colors. No, we went the opposite direction. So they picked the, uh, and it makes sense because if if their primary uh, source of income and and economics is the krill, and if they they kind of produce this blue fluid, I guess everything should be blue. So I, I really I really yeah, enjoy yeah, that. Yeah, perhaps all of their like uh, linen and clothes are probably maybe produced by something that the that the blue. Yeah, some di- yeah, right. So another cool thing I noticed uh, was that the the even though they're farmers and they're kind of somewhat primitive they do have droids and there is one droid which is a very big like regular droid head with very skinny oh, yeah, legs that, was, that, was, that are like a like a like a stork <laughs> kind of legs it was like wow that's so cool and weird it's it's really cool when they add these little details that really kind of blow me away well what's, what's interesting about that is like it also shows like again it, it sort of adapts like the normal start generic star trek technology to a specific use case that this civilization would have well star wars star, technology star, 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 yeah, 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 i can hear the complaints you're stuck yeah, on yeah, star right. trek thing, yeah. like, they, they adapt like no like normal star wars you know, like an astromech droid but, right. but, but they but they then, then like this culture would obviously adapt that to what they need and you can tell like it was it was like wading through the water so you can tell like like like, like yeah, the, yeah. those spindly legs have a private actual functional right. purpose which is pretty cool to yeah. stay dry yep. to stay dry they have to have their little long legs so that was cool. So again, again, they, they established the culture there. And so the Mandalorian is looking for a place, finds that place, lands there, goes to the local watering hole, restaurant, cantina type of place to try to see what's going on. So he's he's basically looking for a place to drop off the kid and be able to go on his way. But as soon as he arrives there, he already notices that there is one person that he kind of seems to be eyeballing him. And that is played by Gina Carano, who plays Cara Dune or Dunn. And she is an ex-rebel uh, fighter who is kind of disillusioned with what happened after the victory in Endor. They even yeah. mention Endor. And then she kind of tells him that, you know, she doesn't like, uh, 
what's happening with like some I guess the the imperial that are still in charge here or there and the and the rebellion doesn't have control over everything so she's kind of more or less a mercenary if you will she kind of goes from place to place I don't know is she a bounty hunter uh, too? I don't, and this is the thing that confused me when we're introduced to her you know she's just sitting there but then Mando like go, like she 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 disappears from the bar and then Mando like goes after well, her well they get into a fight yeah, Mando yeah. goes after her like he's like, like, like I'm not sure what caused him to like really like hunt her down because like if I saw a normal person you know sitting there I don't know if I like yeah I think he kind of saw her as a, another possible bounty hunter that was maybe after him. Yeah, maybe. So, like, in other words, I don't think he saw her as just another citizen. Yeah, maybe. She was somebody who, because he even asked the waiter, he, he goes to her. Oh, yeah. He's like, how long has she been here? And like, what is she, you know, he's trying to find out about her. And then she disappears. So, yeah. Which basically they get into a fight right away. Yeah. Because they're both kind of eyeballing each other. And then they kind of settle, and it's another one of these funny moments because he ordered food for for Baby Yoda, and then as they're fighting, and they stop fighting because they're both pointing the guns at each other. And again, to me, that pointing the gun thing at each other—that's oh, Hong Kong cinema. It, 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 that's John Woo. That's uh, Chow Young Fat. Every single one that ends with the stop, and they both point the gun. And little Baby Yoda is drinking his tea or whatever. He's like <laughs> watching them fight. It was such a funny little cute. Again, another cute little moment that. In the middle of a very violent moment, they throw you the cuteness yeah, yeah, too. Yeah, to break it's, up the tension because they. And, like, and damn, they did cool it again. I, 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 well, I was a fan of how they introduced her. Like I, I felt, it just felt kind of weird. But I love that scene where they, at the end of it, they had the two pistols pointing at each other. It yep. was really, really cool. Now another quick, again, Easter eggy type of thing. As they enter that cantina, the little baby Yoda gravitates to what looks like a cat underneath the table, and it's oh, it's a lothal cat. Yeah. cat. And the the loth cat kind of growls at him. He's like, <laughs> you know, it's like it's like here we go. That's that's a Dave Filoni moment. Yeah, right yeah. There. As a fan of Rebels, I was, I was really I, at first I, I, didn't, I didn't make the connection that doubt. Yeah, it's a loth cat. But then I saw him. I was yep. like, oh yeah, of course. Duh. Mm-hmm. So the, the show progresses, basically, he's not sold on, on whether he can leave the, the child there. He's, he's at night working on his ship or something. And two farmers come to approach him and say, hey, we want to hire you. Again, this is a Western. I've seen this movie before. The, the, we want to hire you. All, the only money we have is this, which is basically not enough money. Obviously, it's never enough money. But he, and they're like, yeah, because we live on this really far des- desolate area that nobody knows about. And he's like, oh, wait a minute, desolate. Oh, maybe that, so that kind of gets his gears going that maybe he could leave the kid there. So let, let me go looking to see what's going on. And as he goes to visit, it's a typical kind of scenario where little baby Yoda is, is, is all the kids are gravitating to the baby Yoda and everybody's very friendly to him. And, and he kind of strikes this little relationship with the lead, with the, this woman who was the the lead person we were watching in the beginning of the episode. She has a daughter. So they're, everybody's kind of becoming very friendly with each other. And he's kind of letting his guard down, more or less. And we found out that, you know, he never takes off his helmet. We kind of knew that. And he even explains that, yeah, he does eat. But obviously, he doesn't eat in front of anyone because he doesn't want to see his face being shown. Yep. And he tells us that if, if, if he shows somebody his face, he cannot wear that, that armor anymore. Yeah, he, he, he can't put it back on. Right. It's, it's part of that thing that he does. So he does agree to uh, help them out. But he kind of recruits Dunn or Dune <laughs> to help and the plan is that they have to take down this ATST that these marauders are using. So it's not just the marauders. They have some heavy artillery, if you will, which must be something they stole from the Imperials. Cause it's a, it's yeah, a- yeah, yeah, definitely. I love the fact that they're, they're, they're like, it's these little like nuggets of like lore building, basically. We're obviously now the Empire has fallen for like, you know, five years. Right. It, we're now seeing the, 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 you know, the 
power vacuum of you know, random little tribes yep. trying to trying to take what they can from what was left over and use it, which is really cool. So they go again through this whole procedure that we've seen in, in Westerns of training the, the, yeah, the, the, the farmers how to use the spears and, and the few guns that they do have. Again, another cute little Easter egg. The lead female uh, lead, the lady that's the farmer, the gun that she does have, because apparently she's the only one who's ever fired a gun before. The, the gun that, that she has, if you look at it carefully, it's the Kenner Bosk gun made to look like a real gun it has that extra handle in the front that weird shape <laughs> it's like oh my god they did the boss gun so it's like okay cool there's another check check it off on your on your easter yeah, egg yeah. hunt and i, I probably getting shoot up earlier is um when this show was being pitched and Filoni and Favreau were talking about it they, they specifically said multiple times that this show they wanted to feel like they, they wanted to give it this feeling like you dumped your action figures out and playing with them as a kid, you know, on the living room floor or something. So I think they definitely have the intention of they because they obviously grew up as fans, you know, no doubt oh. about it. So yeah. they, they specifically wanted to make set. That's why I think a lot, a lot of the battle scenes and like the sets, we have like these big sort of like, you know, action figure type sets, like the Jawa toy <laughs> set, you know, the ATST toy. Like, I think, I think all of them have like this, like very, like you can go out and like take out your action figures from yep. the closet and dump them out and play with them. And, and even the most obscure stuff, I wouldn't be surprised if you, I don't know if you're familiar with mini rigs, if mini rigs start showing up, these are, these are kind of EU-ish toys that Kenner made that didn't sell too well hmm. uh, because they just basically wanted to sell more toys. So they created their own line of smaller toys. I wouldn't be surprised if that kind of stuff starts showing up as canon vehicles for the, for this show. Wouldn't be surprised one bit. But anyway, in this particular story, so they do train everybody. They get into this final fight and they are able to defeat them. You know, all of them, you know, fighting together against these bad guys. So they're they're finally all away. And he feels comfortable. He's like, yeah, I think I'm going to leave them here. I think I'm going to leave them here. I'm ready to go. And all of a sudden, he's talking to somebody. And you kind of see that he's being looked at through a viewfinder from somewhere else. And they cut to another, I guess, another bounty hunter who's ready to kill the little baby Yoda. Or him. Or both. And he gets, that guy gets shot by Dunn. And then they kind of realize, okay... We can't. They can't stay here because they're, they're, no matter where we go, they're either tracking him or Yo or the little Yoda guy. Somebody's getting tracked and they don't know how they're being tracked, but they're being tracked somehow. Yeah, which well, is an interesting question because uh, like, you think that he would know that they're being tracked. He, he is a bounty hunter. He's done this before. So like, you think he, he would like, – I'm not sure what why he would think that leaving him would have been a good idea anyway because – he knows that they can track him. So, and they haven't expl- they haven't really explained to us how the tracking works. Yeah, is it some right. kind of mechanical device, or yeah, is it a yeah. DNA type of thing? You know, how does that work? Yeah, but, but yep. Yeah, so that leaves us chapter four, which brings us basically to the halfway point. We are going to return and do the rest of uh, these. But so far, I don't know about you, Steve, but uh, I'm sold. I'm glad they're doing it in one one episode at a time. I'm I'm glad we're not oh, binge watching this. Yeah, definitely, and that's something. I, my my sisters and her husband are watching as well, and and she, she's a big fan of Netflix, like the whole like dump everything out at once yeah. mentality. I, I'm so glad. Like I, I really hope, honestly, all of net streaming goes away from that 
you know, because I, I, yeah, I get it. I like Stranger Things. You can just watch it all at once, sure. But, <laughs> but like, it, to me, like, I, I, I get an episode on Friday mornings while I'm at the gym. I, I, can, I, I can watch episode. I can then, like, chew it over, you know, rewatch it, talk about it with mm-hmm. other people. It, it gives you that breathing room, not just everything all at once, and then you just forget about it, you know, two weeks later. Because, because yep. we're still talking about it, and it's been, like, you know, it's, it's been on for a month now. So... I, I, I really love the fact that we're getting these individualized episodes. Each one see, feels very unique, you know, and very thought and very different. Each one brings something different to the to the whole overall story. At first, I was a little disappointed at the length of the episodes because they're only about a half hour long. Yeah, yeah, roughly on, the average is about a half hour. But I, I really like that actually. I and like I've gotten how, used to that. Yeah. I think I, I think I like it. I think I like the the this way they don't have to linger too much on anything and kind of like like dead air kind of stuff. No, it's it's all action-packed and, and important stuff that you're watching yep again the merchandising will come <laughs> it, it will it's on its way part of it is already here i got my uh, my lego uh, my lego atsc walker from this oh, episode oh so, wow that's and, a big it, one that's a big it's, one it's, it's okay it, it comes with a, a lego a mando so i'm happy with that i finally got my small hot wheels the ship from the mandalore that silver ship yeah the basic uh, yeah I, I, haven't, I, I haven't been looking for it but i haven't i haven't seen it yet yeah, those are starting to show up now, finally, because I, I really like the look of that ship. But, uh, and again, uh, as we mentioned earlier, if you guys are looking for anything related to Yoda, Baby Yoda, or whatever his name yeah, is going to be. Yeah, you're going to be waiting for a bit. You're going to be waiting a few more months. But we will continue this pretty soon, as soon as we're done with the next four episodes. Yep, we'll do five through eight, and we can do a series wrap and <laughs> see what we thought. I know, right? I can't wait. All right, thanks, Steve. Yep, thanks, guys. Well, I hope everybody enjoyed today's show. I'd like to thank Steve for joining me again and taking the time to really comb through this episode, you know, layer by layer, shot by shot, all the little things that, you know, fans seem to absolutely love, including ourselves. There's so many things in this show for everybody. It is just such a good, refreshing new take on a Star Wars property. And we're only halfway there. I mean, in a couple of weeks, we're going to be completely done and we're going to return to this topic because, you know, we have four more episodes to go and it is just fantastic what they've done so far. And we cannot wait to talk about it some more with whatever new surprises are waiting for us around the corner. So on behalf of everybody here, thank you to Steve and thank you to you guys for listening. And we will see you soon here at Geekfest Rants. Bye-bye, everybody. Is the world more peaceful since the revolution? It is a shame that your people suffered. But bounty hunting is a complicated profession. They said you were coming... They said you were the best in the Parsec. Would you agree?
If you would like to subscribe to our show, send us messages, or see video links to some of the topics we talked about today, please visit our homepage at geekfestrants.com or our YouTube channel, Facebook page, or iTunes at Geekfest Rants. I don't know what we're yelling about! Geekfest Rants is produced by Carlos Perone, copyright 2019. <laughs>